<coughs> All righty. All right, if you uh, have your Bibles with you, turn with me to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28. And uh, going to be uh, starting out here with a couple verses and we're going to be going everywhere. Um, again, that was uh, Matthew chapter 28. And uh, we're going to start actually start in verse 19 and go through verse 20. And uh, while you guys are turning there, um, my message tonight, the title of my message is actually a pretty lengthy one, but it's a, it's a question. And the title of it is, Does the Old Testament Still Apply to Us Today? And of course, we can all just say, yep, it does, let's go home, but we're not going to do that. <laughs> um, you know... Of course, we all believe the Old Testament applies, but we have to know why. Why do we believe what we believe? And that's important. Because if we don't know why we believe what we believe, how can we give an answer to those who ask us? You know, Peter says to always, get, always be ready to give an answer to the hope that lies within you. Amen? So you have to be in a position to where you can be able to explain why you believe what you believe. And so my hopes tonight is to be able to present a case to show you why the Old Testament still applies. That way, you know, when you leave here tonight, my hopes is that you will maybe learn something new, but will have a better understanding as to why it applies to us today. <clears throat> so, Matthew chapter 28, starting in verse 19, uh, Jesus is speaking to his, uh, his disciples one last time before he goes to be with the Father. He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You see here, Jesus says to teach them all things that I've taught you. He didn't say some things. He didn't say one thing. He said to teach all. What does that mean? You teach the whole counsel of God. You don't just focus on one book and just preach whatever you like. you got to preach the whole counsel of God. Get some from the Old Testament. Get some from the New Testament. Get some from Psalms. Get, get verses all over the place. You know, uh, I've come to realize that Brother Bill and I, we preach very similar. We, we, we use a lot of scripture. And I use a lot of scripture because I want the Bible to, de to define itself. I shouldn't have to add my commentary to it. Because it is truly the word of God that changes. It's not my words that will change you. It's God's words that change you. 
we ought to just stick with the Word of God, amen? We, we can't rely on just some random commentary or what man's feelings and thoughts are. And see, that's the problem with our, that's the problem with our society today. That our society is relying on feelings and being hurt, which is why you see all these. Well, we we got we got to change these. We got to have we got to call people by their pronouns because they don't want to be hurt. I say that's tough. I think that people need to grow up and be adults and shake hands and <coughs> disagree, disagree cordially and be on their way. This whole pronoun thing is just silly. It's nonsense. Oh, that's racist. People make stuff up and I don't think it's right. Amen? Now, a lot of times, you get people that will say, well, the Old Testament, you know, that was only written for the Jews. There's a problem with that. Just to play devil's advocate here for a few minutes... Let's say it really was written for the Jews. Boy, are they in trouble. You know why they're in trouble? Because they don't properly understand it. Because they have a veil over the eyes. They can't see Christ in the, in, in the Old Testament. They don't know what those sacrifices mean. They don't understand that. So if it was really written for the Jews, they can't understand it. They can't understand that which was written to them. And the Gentile side of it, we're just flat out in trouble anyways. But I also want to bring your attention to the Ethiopian eunuch who was a Gentile. And you have Philip, who was most likely probably a Jewish man who witnessed to the eunuch. And so uh, Acts chapter 8, starting in verse 26... Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, and the, and the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch, of great authority under Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who had the charge of all her treasure, and had come to Jerusalem for to worship. was returning and sitting in his chariot, read Isaiah the prophet. So let's stop there for a second. You've got a Gentile who went to Jerusalem to worship, and he's going back to his homeland, reading what? The Old Testament. He was reading Isaiah. Wow, I thought it was only meant for the Jews. Well, apparently not, because this Ethiopian eunuch was reading it. So if it really was written to the Jews only, he shouldn't have gotten it. He shouldn't have been reading it. But guess what? He was. It says, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to this chariot. And Philip ran thither to him, and heard him read the prophet Isaiah, and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? Now, if if the Old Testament was only for Jews, you would have seen Philip go up to him and say, 
I'm sorry, Mr. Eunuch. I gotta take that away from you because that's not for you. That's only for us. Did you read that? No. What did Philip say? Do you understand what you read? What? See, there's so much in that response, I think people miss it. What that shows you, the fact that a Gentile was reading that, shows you that the Old Testament isn't just for Jews. It's for both Jew and Gentile. Now think about that. Think, say, say if it really was for the Jews. And Philip goes up and says, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, Mr. Eunuch, i got to take that away from you, from you now and just walk away. You know how selfish that would be? That's incredibly selfish. Do you think God is a God of selfishness? No. As a matter of fact, you know what Jesus said? He said, what I tell you in secret, you proclaim on the housetops. Amen. <clears throat> now, it says here, and Phil, okay, so, uh, and he said, how can I accept some man should guide me? And he, he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter, and like a lamb dumb before a shearer, so opened he not his mouth. And his humiliation, his judgment was taken away, and who shall declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch answered Philip and said, I pray thee of whom speaketh the prophet this, of himself or some other man. Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached unto him Jesus. So here's the, here's the point of that. If the Old Testament was really written for Jews, the Ethian, the, Ethian, the, 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 the eunuch should have never read that piece of scripture in the Old Testament. But he did. And guess what? Philip preached Jesus. So what, what does that tell you? It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or Gentile. That Old Testament's for everybody. Okay. Now let me tell you something else too. The apostles, when they preached Christ, guess what all they had? Well, they had really had a couple of things. They had their experience with Christ for the, for the last three years, but they only had the Old Testament. They didn't have, the New Testament wasn't even written yet. So how is it that the apostles could preach from the Old Testament and a, whole bunch, and a whole bunch of people get saved. Even Gentiles. You see what I'm saying? So we see that it's not just the Old Testament is for everybody. To say that the, that the Old Testament is for Jews is to basically discredit the whole Bible. People who believe that the Old Testament is only written for Jews is a cop-out to not wanting to believe the Word of God for as it is. Why? Because the Word of God convicts. And they don't like it. This world don't like it. So they got to find some cop-out, some excuse to not believe it. It's what it is. <clears throat> Jesus says to teach all things. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 26, verse 2. Thus saith the Lord, Stand in the court of the Lord's house, and speak unto all the cities of Judah, which come to worship in the Lord's house. All the words that I command thee to speak unto them, diminish not a word. 
preached the whole counsel of God. Acts chapter 20, verse 27. For I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. Deuteronomy, 20, uh, Deuteronomy 28, 14. And thou shalt not go aside from any of the words which I command thee this day, to the right hand or to the left, to go after other gods, to serve them. <clears throat> You're not to add or take away from the Bible. And we see that in the New Testament. We see that at the very end of the book. God says, don't do it. God has a copyright on his word. He, doesn't, he does not need or want anyone changing his word. His word is perfect. And if his word is perfect, it don't need to be changed. We need to be changed. The, the Bible doesn't. And it's really saddening that you get people that feel like they need to change the Bible. When they need to realize they need to be, they need to be changed by it. Amen? Joshua chapter 1, verse 7. Only be thou strong and very courageous, that thou may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant command thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithsoever thou goest. Joshua 23, verse 6. Be ye, be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom to the right hand or to the left. We're not, to, we're, we're not to add or take away from any part of the word of God. And we're not to discredit any part of it either. Some, you know what's funny? You get some of these people even in the New Testament that say, oh no, that was written for the Jews. Only this and this and this was for the Gentiles. You know, that's cherry picking. God says don't do it. Don't cherry pick. Because the moment you start cherry picking is going to be the moment you get yourself in big trouble with God. Don't you, the, the word of God is not a buffet that you can pick and choose what you want to believe. God says you either believe it, the whole thing, or you don't believe it. What are we going to choose? Believe it or not going to believe it? Because in the end, there's going to be two sides. You're either going to be on God's side or you're going to be on the side of Satan. There is no middle ground. And as time, as time goes on and as we see how wicked this world is, people are going to have to start making a choice. There is no in-between. <clears throat> now, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16-17. through 17. All Scripture. You get that? All Scripture. It's given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. That means the Old Testament and the New Testament. People don't get it. But sometimes you have to play Captain Obvious with people because they don't get it. All scripture. It doesn't matter if you're in the old or the new. It's all that is inspired by God. 
Romans chapter 15, verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. You know, yes, when we take a look in the Old Testament, there are promises that are strictly for the Jews, such as the inheritance of the physical land of Israel. We don't inherit that. That's God's people. They inherit that. But... That is a picture for us Gentiles of our salvation and our inheritance in heaven. You see, the promises that may be only for the Jews, there's good, there is going to be a picture of something for us. In other words, no matter what is written in the Old Testament, there's applications for both Jew and Gentile. It's not just limited to one people. And people need to understand that there are types and pictures and shadows in the Old Testament. There are prophecies that still have not yet been fulfilled. And we'll be getting into those. Second <clears throat> um, Peter chapter 1, verse 19 through 21. We have also a more short word of prophecy. Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star rises in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Now, as it pertains to prophecy that has not been fulfilled yet. Um, you see, uh, you know, you see verses that talk about the Lord's second coming. You even have prophecies in the Old Testament about the new world order. And before I get into those examples, I want to read something to you. Um, it was a speech that was given by George H.W. Bush on January 29, 1991. <clears throat> I'm going to read a snip of what he said. <clears throat> and it's actually kind of frightening. Um, he says in, in one of the speeches that he makes, he says, What is at stake is more than one small country. It is a big idea, a new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. Peace and security, freedom, and the rule of law. Such is a world worthy of our struggle and worthy of our children's future. He was talking about a new world order coming on this earth. That's what he's talking about. That's what he was pushing for. And guess what? It's in your Bible. It's nothing new. In the Old Testament, prophesies about a new world order coming, headed up by the Antichrist. Daniel chapter 2, verse 32 to 35. It says, This image's head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of silver, his belly and his thighs of brass, his legs of iron, and his feet part iron and part clay. That, okay, so the part iron and part clay is representing the coming new world order. 
it's going to be partially strong and it's going to be partially broken. So it's going to be kind of a it's going to be a weak kingdom. But rest assured, Christ will he he will he'll gain victory over it. And that's where and this is where the victory comes in. Thou sawest till that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon his feet that were of iron and clay and break them to pieces. Then was the iron, the clay, and the brass, the silver, and the gold broken into pieces together. It became like the chaff of the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away, that no place was found for them. And the stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the earth. You know what that is? That is an Old Testament prophecy of the Lord Jesus Christ, the stone cut without hands, coming down to destroy the new world order and to reign and rule for a thousand years. Amen. That's good news. You know why? Because the Lord's kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. There is no end to the Lord's kingdom. But rest assured, the Lord will, He will rule and reign for a thousand years on this earth. <clears throat> and this is in the book of Daniel. This is Old Testament. Daniel, okay, so and uh, so continuing on in verse 40 through 44 of Daniel 2, it says, And the fourth kingdom shall be as strong as iron, for as much as iron breaketh in pieces, and subdueth all things. And as iron that breaketh all these, shall it break in pieces and bruise. And whereas thou sawest the feet and toes part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided. But there shall be in it the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And as the toes of the feet were part of iron and part of clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly broken. And whereas thou sawest iron mixed with miry clay, they shall mingle themselves with the seed of men. But they shall not cleave one to another, even as iron is not mixed with clay. And in the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom, which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. That hasn't happened yet. But you get people, ah, oh, well, that's Old Testament, that doesn't apply to us. You know why? Because they and their minds were like to correlate the law with the Old Testament. Can't do that. Sure, the law was in the Old Testament, but the Old Testament is not the whole length of the law. Because even in the Old Testament, there were people that were saved by grace. Mm -hmm. And there's still things there that apply to us, and people don't want to acknowledge that. My guess is because they don't fear God. They don't fear God. They don't want to be judged by Him. But you know, it's these people that despise the Word of God, they don't realize they're going to be judged by the very thing they despised. That's the truth. We also see a picture of this, uh, you know, one world government. We see this in Genesis 11. The Tower of Babel. That is a type and picture. And that's the first book of the New Testament. Oh, not the Old. That's the first book of the Old Testament. And we are, and in the 11th chapter, we already see a picture of what's to come. It says here, uh, Genesis 11, 1 through 6, And the whole world, the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. 
And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the, line, the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they said one to another, Go, go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime for, had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the tower which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they began to do, and nothing will be restrained for them which they have imagined to do. Let me. Why do you think there's such a push for global unity? Think about that. Genesis 11 is a type and picture of that. See, we may not be all in one language, but they're pushing for global unity. And anyone that comes against that global unity will be outcasts, a.k.a. Bible-believing Christians. And we ain't going to go through that unity. We know we believe in unity, unity in Christ, but not the way this world does it. And this world is going to push for a global unity. And out of that is going to come one that's going to rule them all. A beast. The Antichrist. Yeah. You know, in the beginning, God gave dominion. He gave man dominion over beast. Here's the scary part. In the end, God's going to allow beast to have dominion over man. Why? Why? Because this world is wicked. This world is wicked. There are people that, are, that hate God with a passion. They wouldn't know a Bible if it hit them in the head. They just don't know the Word of God. They don't care to know. See, it's what Brother Ben was talking about, is, is having that, having that um, just that sheared conscience being turned over to a reprobate mind, doing things that are not convenient. It's only going to get worse. And we think right now is really bad and really bizarre and odd and just weird because people how people believe. It's going to get a lot more than that. <clears throat> Woe unto them who call good evil and evil good. And you see, all that is mentioned in the Old Testament. And people say it doesn't apply. Just say it's a cop-out. When people say that the Old Testament doesn't apply... It's a cop-out to not wanting to believe the Word of God. You know why? Because if you don't want to believe the Old Testament, you might as well chuck up the whole Bible. And we'll, we'll get to that here in a few minutes, why that is. But also we see prophecies of the Lord's coming from the Old Testament. And we also see of His second coming. And by the way, Jesus uses the Old Testament to demonstrate his second coming. Matthew chapter 24, verses 37 to 39. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus equated his second coming to the days of Noah. If you want to know what the days of Noah are, just look outside. 
See how wicked this world's gotten. And it's going to get worse. But guess what? Where did Noah happen? Genesis chapter 6, Old Testament. Luke chapter 17, verses 26 to 30. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it shall also be in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, but they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus it shall be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. I'll prove that one easily. You know what they passed just like not too long ago? The, the uh, Respect for Marriage Act. Which y'all, if you don't know, that law, to my understanding anyways, to, to the best that I understand it, that law actually forces every state in the union to recognize sodomite marriage. And we see that, what Jesus said, from all the way back in the Old Testament. That's not a mistake. That's Bible prophecy being fulfilled both in, in, in the New and Old Testaments. There's no way of getting around it. See, God's word's true. And whatever is prophesied in, the, in, in his book is going to come to pass. Amen. Good and bad. Um, okay, Jude chapter 1, verse 14. Okay, it says that Enoch, also the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these sayings, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints. Enoch was Old Testament. It says the seventh from Adam. Way towards the beginning of creation. Towards it, not completely, but you know what I'm saying. Enoch prophesied. That's what Jude, that's what it says in Jude. He prophesied that. That was way before Christ even came. You see, there's still stuff in the Old Testament that are still relevant for all of us. And people don't get it. It's a sad reality. We, that's why people need Jesus. People need the Word of God. They need Jesus. They need to get born again problem is is that too many people are so stiff-necked and hard-hearted they don't want to hear amen now <clears throat> really quickly i'm going to kind of kind of fire off some of these uh things off here really quickly um old testament prophesies of the lord's first coming isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 for unto us the child is born unto us the son is given and the government should be a, should be upon his shoulders and his name should be called what wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Isaiah 7, 14 through 15. Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and choose the good. Genesis three fifteen. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed, and it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Genesis 49.10 The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh come. That word Shiloh, the S is capitalized. Who's that talking about? Jesus. Jesus. Anytime you see 
something capitalized is going to have a deity significance towards Christ, typically. And Shiloh is that instance. Shiloh come, and unto him the gathering of the people be. Um, <clears throat> all right. So, I got a couple more pages, so I'm going to kind of use that to kind of close here. Um, you know, as I had said before, is that when the apostles preached, they didn't have a New Testament to go on. They had the Old Testament. You see Cornelius, a centurion, he got saved. He's a Gentile. The eunuch. The Ethiopian... The Ethiopian... Oh, I can't talk today. <laughs> the Ethiopian eunuch was a Gentile. Got saved from the Old Testament. And people want to say that the Old Testament was written for Jews. If it was written for Jews, how is it that a Gentile got saved? Amen? Believe the word of God. Hebrews 13, 8. Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. If Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, guess what? So is his word. His word don't change. You know why? Because Jesus Christ is the word, and he don't change. Psalm 102, verse 27. But thou art the same, and thy years shall have no end. Matthew 5, 17 through 18. Think not that I have come to destroy the law or the prophets. I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass one jot or one tittle, shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Guess what? Not all has been fulfilled yet. So guess what? The law still has usefulness. Why? Because the law is the schoolmaster pointing us to Christ. Where is the law found? Old Testament. So you see, the Old Testament still has usefulness, even in our days. John 1.1 1, 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1 114, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, and the glory as of the only begotten Father, full of grace and truth. First <clears throat> uh, John chapter First John chapter 5, verse 7, for there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one. Last verse, and I want to close. First John chapter 2, verse 7. Brethren, I write no new commandment unto you. But an old commandment which ye have heard from the beginning. The com old commandment is the word which ye have heard from the beginning. Now, I think we kind of made that pretty clear that the Old Testament has usefulness. And still will until all be fulfilled. Some perspective I want to kind of give to you all. Um, is that. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. Amen. Proof of that is all the animal sacrifices that you see in the Old Testament all point towards Christ. 
The Ten Commandments point towards Christ. The 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 just all the prophecies. They may have been concealed, but they've been revealed in the new. And so I just want to say, just in closing, is that no matter what people say, the whole Bible is still relevant today. And if you disclude the Old Testament, you might as well throw out the whole book. Because to, to throw out the Old Testament is to throw out the New Testament. Amen? Uh, let's go ahead and stand and pray, and then we'll have Brother Bill come up. Brother Charles, would you like to close this in prayer? And then after that, Brother Bill, if you want to come up. Dear Lord, we're thankful this evening for this another opportunity to serve you. Lord, we ask you that you would just 